Well, church, it is so good to be back with you this morning. I am so thankful to be back home with the people of God here at Shades Mountain. We love y'all so much. And we did have a great time away as a family. But man, I am pumped to be back here to preach this morning. So grab your Bible. Let's get after it, okay? Go ahead and pick up your Bible. Join me in Psalm chapter 20, right in the middle of the Bible. If you open the the middle of the Bible, you're gonna find the Psalms. And we're gonna be in Psalm chapter 20 today. We're walking through a a series this summer, uh, looking at several of the Psalms. And we've had some some of our team do a great job preaching. Bradley and Jeremy, you got to hear from Kevin Naylor of Antioch Church a couple weeks ago. I'm so grateful for these men of God who have been opening the word before us and laying out what, what the word of God says. And today we step into Psalm 20. There's Bibles around you if you need one. Before we stand though, before we look specifically at Psalm 20, I do just want to tell you what a gift it was to our family to have some time away. At this season of our life, when the six of us get to pull away together, it is a tremendous blessing. Our kids are going in a lot of different directions in this season. And so for us to have time away together as a family was such a gift. And then last week, we got to be with a lot of family. We got to be with 40 rights all piling together into a place at the beach. This is something we have done for many years. Every year in the summer, a bunch of rights come together for for an annual trip to the beach. This started about 40 years ago or so with my grandparents. They have now gone to be with the Lord. They're no longer with us, but the family still gathers together. And I wanna show you a picture of this. We were just singing about the faithfulness of God through generations. These are the 16 great-grandchildren of my grandparents. McKenna, our daughter, is the oldest, and you can see we go all the way down the line, 16 great-grandchildren all together for a week at the beach. It's, it's basically like children's camp at the beach. I mean, it's so much fun. It is so much fun, but we're also very glad to be back home. And so thankful for the opportunity now to, to step in to the Word of God. So Psalm chapter 20. We're going to read this psalm in its entirety, and I know you just were seated and you're getting settled in, but I want to do what we do each week here at Shades. We stand for the reading of God's Word. So I'd like to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. And if you're, if you're new to Shades, let me say, hey, we are so glad you're here. Welcome to Shades. If you're joining us online, welcome to what God is doing here at Shades. But the reason we stand for the reading of God's Word is because the Word of God is the foundation on which the people of God stand. And we want to be reminded of that. We don't want to lose sight of that. We don't want to be pulled away from that. So we stand on the firm foundation of the unchanging Word of God. And as we turn to the Word of God, We have the privilege of seeing what God says is right and good and true. So we we stand and recognize that this is the word of the Lord that we get to experience together. Psalm chapter 20 says this, May the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of God, the God of Jacob, protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May you remember all your sacrifices and regard with favor your burnt offerings. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. 
May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all of your petitions. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 20, a psalm of trust. Let's pray together before we're seated that God would use this psalm to speak into our lives what we need to hear on this day. Let's, let's pray right now. Father, we need to hear from you. We live in a fast-paced world where a lot of things are changing around us every day and there is so much noise fighting for our attention, telling us what to do, telling us where to go, telling us how to live. Lord, we need to hear from you. And so I pray right now in the power of your Holy Spirit speaking among your people through the divinely inspired word of God that you have given us, that you would show us what we need to see. Have your way among us today, Lord. Open our ears to listen. Open our minds to think deeply on that which you say. Show us what we need to see. And it is my prayer that we would not be the same as a result of that which you say. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Psalm 20 is a psalm of trust. A psalm that invites us to consider where are we placing our trust? And so right at the beginning of this message, I, I just want to ask you very specifically, would you, would you take a moment and just consider in your own life right now, based on what you're walking through, based on your circumstance, based on your story right now, where are you placing your trust? And I'm not talking about where you give lip service. I'm talking about where are you placing your trust? What do your conversations say about where you're placing your trust? What do your social media postings show about where you're placing your trust? What does your prayer life reveal about where you are placing your trust? This psalm is, is inviting us to consider where are we placing our trust? And this is somewhat of a unique psalm. Because this is a psalm where it's actually the, the people of God, the congregation that are, that are praying for the king. They're praying for King David. And they're speaking specifically to the king, speaking about the king, declaring their desires for the king. And, and they're praying that the king would be blessed. You can see that in the first five verses there of Psalm 20. You see, they, they come before the Lord and they, they, they pray on behalf of the king and they say, Lord, answer the king when he's in trouble. Lord, protect the king in his time of need. Send help for the king. Lord, answer his petitions, answer his requests. And then they have this very bold statement, Lord, give the king what he wants. 
Lord, fulfill the plans of the king. Grant him the desires of his heart. And you look at these prayers for King David, you look at what the people are saying and, and it kind of reads like this, like this Christmas list almost. Like they're, they're coming to God and they're saying, okay, God, here's all the things we want. God, do all these things for us because if the king prospers, the nation prospers. If the nation prospers, the people prosper. Lord, here's all these things that we want. And it, it, can, it can, at first glance, kind of look like they're, they're, they're looking at God like he's this genie in a bottle. You know, rub the, rub the prayer the right way. Rub the Bible the right way. Say the right thing. And, and hopefully you will get what you want. Many people pray like that. They come to God with their wish list. They come to God with their Christmas list. And then if they don't get the things that they want, they're, they're completely disappointed. They feel like somehow God has failed them because they didn't get what they want when in fact maybe God is seeking to show them something different altogether. And what you see in Psalm chapter 20, verse six, is actually the people of God have laid out their desires and laid out their requests and, and they brought their wants to the Lord, which is a good thing, by the way. God knows your heart. Be honest with him when you pray. It's good to tell the Lord what you desire, what you want. It's good to bring that before the Lord in prayer. And here's why I can say that, because as you pray, the Spirit of God begins to do something in your life. As you pray, the Word of God begins to do something in your life. As you pray, your heart actually begins to change. We see that in verse six of Psalm 20, after all these requests, what does the word of God say? It says, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. The people of God are saying, hey, here's all these things that we want, but we know at the end of the day, what is most important is that God meets us in what we need. That God provides the salvation that we so desperately need. They're going back to what matters most. They're going back to what God alone can provide. And what we see here is this great reminder about prayer, that prayer aligns our hearts with the heart of God. Prayer begins to change us. When we honestly and earnestly seek the Lord, prayer begins to align our hearts with the heart of God. It invites the Holy Spirit of God to, to bring us back to what matters most. It, it invites the Holy Spirit of God to, to take us back to the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ to remind us of, of, of the glory of God, of the reign of God, of the majesty of God, and of the faithfulness of God. Prayer aligns our heart with the heart of God, you, you wanna know God's heart for you, pray. Invite the Spirit of God to align your heart with the heart of God. You wanna see God at work in your life, pray. Invite the Spirit of God to align your heart with the heart of God. I, I love the way the Apostle Paul writes of this in, in one of his letters to Timothy, a young man that he loved dearly, that he was mentoring in the faith, a young man that he was discipling. He, he sent two letters that we have in the Word of God to Timothy. And in that first letter, 1 Timothy chapter 2, we see Paul say this about prayer. Look at 1 Timothy 2, beginning in verse 1. 
He says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people and for kings and all who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Paul is saying, Timothy, pray, pray without ceasing. Bring your requests to the Lord. Be thankful for what God has done. Let your supplications flow before the Lord and pray for those who are in leadership and authority. Pray for the king. Pray for those who have influence. Here's why. Because this is good. It's pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, listen to this, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. As we pray, as we lift up our requests, as we make petition, we, we are invited back to the gift of what God alone can do. We are invited back to the power and authority of God who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you and for me so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be covered in his grace, so that we could be given a new life, made as a child of God, a son or a daughter of the Most High King. Paul is saying, as you pray, your prayer will begin to align your heart to the heart of God, will take you back to what is most important, the gift of salvation, and will remind you that God's heart for all people is that they would experience this gift of salvation. And God has you where you are for a reason. So that, so that you can be a, an example, a testimony, a witness of this gift of salvation as you pray, even with all your requests and all the things that you desire and all the things that you're thinking about in your own life, invite the spirit of God to realign your heart with the heart of God to remind you of what is most important, to remind you of the mission that he's called you to if you are a child of God to remind you of what he has done for you through the gift of salvation. This is the heart of God. He desires that people will experience and receive this gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our savior. We need a God who saves. We need a hope that is unchanging in a world that is constantly changing. We need a kingdom that has no end. We need to know the, the purposes of God for our lives revealed to us through his word. As we pray, our heart gets more in line with the heart of God. And we are reminded of what God has done to meet us in our need cover us in his grace to provide for us this beautiful gift of salvation. And it shows us that he is trustworthy. Even if you don't get all the things that you want, as you pray and your heart becomes more aligned with the heart of God and you see and are reminded of the things that God has done to meet you in your need, it reminds you, it reminds me of how trustworthy God is. And with that in mind, we come to verse seven of Psalm 20. This very powerful, poignant statement about trust. The Psalm says this, verse seven, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
This is a very bold statement for the people because they've just laid out their requests before God. They've just said, God, here's all of our desires for the king. Here's all of our desires for our nation. Here's all of our desires for us as a people. And we want to declare that in the midst of those desires, as our heart becomes more aligned with your heart and we're reminded of the gift of salvation that you have provided and we're reminded of what you have done to meet us in our need that we can never do for ourselves, we declare that while some trust in the things of this world, we are placing our trust in the Lord our God. So I want to ask you again today, where are you placing your trust? As you think about what you're walking through right now, as you think about the decisions that, that may be in front of you right now, some of you I know you're thinking about the struggle, you're thinking about the challenges of your circumstance right now. Where are you placing your trust? Because there are many people who, who place their trust in, in the things of this world, in the things that they have accomplished, in the things they have achieved, in the things they have acquired for themselves. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, some trust in the things of this world that make them feel secure, that make them feel powerful, that make them feel successful or important. Where are you placing your trust? Because as we're reminded in verse eight, the things of this world can very quickly change. Kingdoms can rise and fall. The things of this world can quickly fade away. What we thought was such a big deal yesterday becomes old news today. Circumstances change. The things that we acquire have less and less meaning or value, where are you placing your trust? The psalmist says they collapse and they fall if you place your trust in the things of this world, but we rise and stand upright. Oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Now here, the, the, the psalmist is certainly pointing back to the history of the people of God, the nation of Israel. And there would have been many circumstances that might have come to mind as, as the people of God are reminded of how, how kingdoms rise and fall, how, how, how chariots and horses can, can very quickly disappoint or, or, or fade away. And one specific example of this would certainly have been the Exodus. You can read about this in the book of Exodus where, where the people of God are, are, are living in captivity. They're living in bondage in the land of Egypt under the thumb of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And, and God sends Moses, God sends his, his messenger, his, his prophet before Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let the people of God go. And Pharaoh has a very hard heart. And so through Moses, God sends 10 plagues. You, you may have heard about these, these plagues that, that come to the land of Egypt. And finally, after the 10th plague, the plague of death that hits all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, Pharaoh says, enough. 
Let the people go. The people need to get out of here now. The people of God need to go. Get out of my country. Get out of Egypt. And so the word of God shows us that that the nation of Israel has the opportunity, the permission of Pharaoh to finally leave, to finally go to their own land. But as the people are are getting out of sight, as the people are making their way uh, away from Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart hardens again. And he's furious because he's been humiliated. And he wants to set the record straight once and for all that he is the authority, not the God of those people. And so Pharaoh unleashes the the full might of the Egyptian army, the chariots, the horses, all the power, all the strength, all the might of this incredibly powerful land of Egypt is charging after the people of God. And the people of God, they come to the Red Sea. And certainly in the distance behind them, they can see the, the dust cloud being stirred up from all the chariots and all the horses. And they know they are, they are stuck. What does God do? God performs this amazing miracle. He, he parts the sea. He, he lifts up the water. He provides a path on dry ground. And all the people of God are able to walk across the land right through the middle of the sea. And the uh, Egyptian army, the chariots and the horses, they, they see this and they go, okay, here's our opportunity to finally strike. And they charge in on that dry ground in the midst of the water and the water water comes collapsing in on them. They're swallowed up in the sea. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. They collapse and they fall. Those who trust in the name of the Lord our God rise and stand. Exodus chapter 15 records this beautiful song of celebration, this song of worship of the people of God and of Moses crying out to God in gratitude for what he has done. This is what Exodus 15 says, verse one and following. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and and his hosts he cast into the sea and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depth like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Do you believe in the faithfulness of your God? Do you believe in the trustworthy nature of the Lord our God? Where are you placing your trust? Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, and sometimes chariots and horses seem to be coming against you in such a way that there's no possible way out. Where will you place your trust? In 2006, 
Megan and I were preparing to, to launch out on a, a new ministry opportunity. We were very young in ministry at the time. I had been working at Johnson Ferry in Atlanta, which is the church that my dad pastored for a long time. I was a part of his staff team there. And we had been given the opportunity to launch out as church planners to establish a new work in North Atlanta and to, to, to see if a new church could be established in, in an area that was growing very fast. And I was so excited about this opportunity. So excited. Had a, a lot of ideas, a lot of goals, a lot of ambitions. I mean, like ready to take on the world, ready to charge the gates of hell with a water pistol. I mean, I was fired up and ready to go. I had all the answers. Hey, trust me, I had all the answers. I'd figured out how to get this thing going, right? And there's a very sweet, godly lady on staff there at Johnson Ferry at the church that we would be leaving to establish a new church. And, and she came up to me right at, at the end of my time in the office and, and she said, George, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And I said, oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your prayers. And she said, I want you to know I'm praying a very specific prayer for you. She said, I'm praying that you will get to the place where God is all you have so that you will see that God is all you need. I thought, well, that's an interesting prayer. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I didn't think a whole lot about it. I'm praying that you will get to the place where God is all you have so that you will see that God is all you need. And as I look back now, that's about 18 years ago that, that she said that to me, that she was praying that over me. I look back now and I, I know she, she saw in me a, a young man who was very ambitious, a young man who was doing a lot of things in his own strength, a young man who had experienced some, some good things, some successes along the way, but, but probably had become more concerned about, about my ability than God's faithfulness. In a very wise way, she said, I'm, just, I'm praying that you will get to that place where you see God is all you have so that you will know that God is all you need. And here's what I can say. After, after 18 years of, of being a, a, a lead pastor, a senior pastor in a couple of different places, a couple of different circumstances, I can, I can tell you as a personal testimony, Megan and I have walked through some very difficult seasons in ministry. We've walked through seasons of loss. We've walked through seasons of disappointment. I've walked through a season, a lengthy season of anxiety and depression. We've walked through some physical hardship. We've walked through some very difficult times in ministry. And in every one of those circumstances, when I got to a place where I realized in the midst of that circumstance, all I really had was my God. I can stand before you and boldly say, I know that he is all I need. When I have been in those seasons where it is so obvious that God is all I have, everything that I've been trying to, to build, that, that's got nothing to do with it. Everything that I'm trying to accomplish, that doesn't matter for squat. My strength is actually powerless. God is all I have. 
And I have seen time and time again that God is all I need. Some trust in chariots. I was. Some trust in horses. I was. But I have found and discovered and seen in personal ways how faithful and trustworthy my God truly is. Where are you placing your trust? I know right now, I just know a snapshot. I, I don't know all of your stories. I just know a few of the stories. There are some overwhelming stories of need right now in this room. There are some overwhelming stories of struggle right now in this room. Some overwhelming stories of hurt. Some overwhelming stories of disappointment. Some overwhelming stories of, of loss right now in this room. Where are you placing your trust? Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Will you place your trust in the name of the Lord our God? He is faithful. He is sovereign. He is reigning. He is ruling. And please don't miss this. He is good. He knows what you need. He hears your prayers, he hears your cries, he knows your heart. And right now in this season, perhaps he is aligning your heart more with his own. Perhaps right now in this season, as difficult as it may be for some of you, God is inviting you to see in an even greater way his mercy and his grace. God is inviting you to see in an even greater way his faithfulness and his kindness. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Will you trust in the name of the Lord our God? He is faithful and he is what you need. With that in mind, I wanna close by going to a passage of scripture that has ministered to me on many occasions, but has specifically ministered to me in some of those difficult seasons of life. And, and my prayer is that for some of you today, this will be exactly what you need to hear, divinely inspired by the Spirit of God. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, this beautiful doctrinal confession of how amazing our God is, this beautiful gospel proclamation of, of what the finished work of Jesus Christ means for you and for me, this beautiful declaration of how faithful our God is, even in the midst of a challenging season or a struggle. Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse 31 says this, what shall we say to these things? These challenges, these struggles, these difficulties, the painful season that you're walking through. What, what do we do with that? What do we say in that? The apostle Paul says, if God is for us, 
Who can be against us? And here's how you know this is true. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know that God is faithful because you see the lengths that God went to show you his faithfulness. You know that God is loving because you see the links that he went to show you his love. He went to a cross to demonstrate his love for you. To invite you to be called one of his own. To invite you into an eternal kingdom. To invite you into a beautiful family. To call you a son or a daughter. He went to the cross to forgive your sin. To cover you in grace. To show you his compassion and his kindness. What can we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul goes on to say, who shall bring any charge against God, God's elect? Because it's God who justifies, who is to condemn? If God says that you are right with God, it doesn't matter a flip what anyone else says. If God says you are his child, you are his own, it doesn't matter what the culture says about you. If God says that you are his, that you've been bought with a price, the price of his blood, it doesn't matter what anyone posts about you. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? He's the one who justifies. How can anyone else condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Do you realize what Paul has just said? Not only does the empty grave mean that you have a savior who is alive, that has forgiven your sin and covered you in grace. You have a savior seated at the right hand of God right now who is praying for you. Praying for you. Understands your weakness. Understands your failures. Understands your inadequacies and says, I'm stepping in the ring with them. I'm praying for them. I'm on their side, that's my man, that's my girl. I'm praying for you as the risen, conquering savior. What power you have when you know that Jesus is interceding on your behalf. Oh, the power of the empty grave. Oh, the power of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. These are all really bad things. Is one of those bad things going to be the thing that separates you from the love of of Christ, for as it is written, Paul says, for your sake, we are all being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So is something gonna separate you from the love of Christ? Paul declares, no. Church, can you be separated from the love of Christ if you are in Christ Jesus? No. Somebody say, no, no. You cannot be separated from the love of Christ if you are in Christ Jesus. For I'm sure, I'm sure, Paul writes, I'm sure 
that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present right here, right now, nor things to come, that, that, that what if that you're afraid of, none of these things, nor height nor debt, anything else in all of creation, none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know, I know that right now for some of you in this room, it feels so overwhelming. You're walking through some circumstances, some stories. It doesn't even make sense. It's so difficult. And I know in the midst of the struggle, it can cause us to to doubt and question and think, God, are, are you faithful? And yet as we pray, And as we cry out to God, and as we ask for God to intervene on our behalf, and as we're reminded that Jesus is interceding on our behalf, our hearts become in more alignment with God's heart, and we remember what God has already done for us. And we remember the amazing gift of salvation. And we remember how faithful our God has been. And we remember how faithful our God will continue to be. And we remember there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And we know because of what Christ has done, our God is trustworthy. Some will continue to trust in chariots. Some will continue to trust in horses. Some will continue to to rise and fall. Those who trust in the name of the Lord our God will stand. Where are you placing your trust? Our God is faithful. Our God is pursuing you with his love. Our God wants you to know that he is with you regardless of what you may be walking through right now. He is compassionate, he is is kind, and when you get to a place where you see that God is all you have, you will know that God is all you need. Because that's the trustworthy nature of our God. I want to close with a word of prayer right now. And I just want to pray specifically for those of you who are walking through a difficult season. Those of you who who maybe are wrestling with some very, very challenging questions or very challenging decisions. Those of you who are walking through the midst of of, of loss or or pain or a struggle of any kind. and, And you need to be reminded right now of the faithfulness of God and the trustworthy nature of God. And so I just want to ask that you, everyone in the room would bow your heads, close your eyes right now. We're going to enter into a time of prayer. And if you're here today just saying, I, I need the, the, the faithfulness and the trustworthy nature of God to be revealed in my life because of what I'm walking through right now, every eye closed every head bowed, would you just stand up right now? If, if you're saying, hey, I need, I need to, to, to experience the, the faithfulness of God, the trustworthy nature of God because of what I'm walking through, just stand up. Nobody's looking around. This is you and the Lord. I just want to pray over you. 
Pray that the, that the faithfulness of God would, would be so apparent in your life. Pray that the trustworthy nature of God would be revealed to you again. That you would see that those who trust in the Lord are given power and strength beyond your own ability to stand, to know the promises of God are true. And the kingdom of God has no end. That you have a heavenly father who sees you, knows you, and loves you. Father God, I pray for these individuals, for these couples, for these families right now. You know their story. You know what they're walking through. You know how painful the circumstances have been that have led to this place where they're even willing to stand up and say, I, I need to, to, to see the faithfulness of God. And so, Lord, you know everything that's going on in their story. And I'm, I'm begging in the name of Jesus that you would remind them today of how faithful and trustworthy you are. That they would have this picture of our Savior interceding on their behalf right now at the right hand of the Father, praying for them by name. That they would be filled with the Spirit. That they would be reminded of how great our God is. That, that they would be reminded of the joy of their salvation. That, that they would see again the faithfulness of our God. Lord, we are asking you to move mightily. We are praying in Jesus' name that you would work miracles. We are praying that you would move in power in these circumstances, in these stories. Lord, give them eyes to see what is the next step. Give them eyes to see how to walk in wisdom right now, how to stand firm. As it feels like things around them are falling or out of control, I pray, Lord God, in your power and your strength and your trustworthy faithfulness that you would provide for them exactly what they need. Thank you. Thank you. We believe you. We trust in you. And we thank you for what you're doing right now. Father, have your way among your people. Be glorified through this challenging season, whatever it may be. And give more and more and more and more beautiful, beautiful stories of how trustworthy and faithful our God is. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What church would you